0: Before there was Donald Trump, there was Roseanne Barr. Yes, Roseanne Barr, caustic TV personality with no political experience to speak of, was the 2012 nomination of the California-based Peace and Freedom Party for, yes, President of the United States of America. It was a joke then, at least to us, but no one's laughing now. When 2016 came around, Barr publicly expressed her support for Trump, which again, we thought of as a joke, and no one took too seriously, and anyway it didn't matter because she had been off the air for years and wasn't really relevant. But she's back with an eight-episode revival of her smash hit show that feels almost genetically modified to engender a political reaction, to start a debate on how the country should be run via the metaphor of how the Connors should be parented, how strict, how nurturant, how much of each. Chelsea were you a fan of the original Roseanne the uh
1: I was nine
0: season run yeah Yeah, I
1: think I've seen every episode actually oh wow yeah how
0: about you no I was a huge fan and my family my mom used to love watching it with us you know she's like oh this is a real family on tv she would say all the time really yeah
1: isn't that interesting The,
0: the, the phrase real uh as opposed to I don't know what other shows like family house or something no, no, full, oh, house, full house. Full house. <laughs> I confuse family matters and full house, right? <laughs> right, full house or family matters, they're both in some sense middle class families, right? They have, right, in, in, in full house was, you remember they had like that Friday night block you'd watch as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, and full house, you know, they were all, you know, working Oh, and then there adults. was like step they by had step. Nice house, step by step, right? The Duffy's. There
1: was always like, um, like little twists like full house it was like oh there were three men raising all these kids yes and step by step was like uh, two people got married and they both had like four children from previous marriages. So yes, like exactly. Kids.
0: Right. And you're combining them.
1: And then Family Matters was basically just that they had like the three generations in one house.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Urkel got and then, out of control. Urkel was like a guest character on one of the episodes. And then became like a And huge, then he became like the thing. Yeah. And it was like the Urkel show.
1: <laughs> then you've got Fresh Prince and that whole thing where he like has to live with his aunt and uncle.
0: Yeah, it was a great premise. Yeah. Yeah, but in the very rich house, right, Bel-Air, right. the whole premise is he goes from, like, right. a poor situation. And even
1: life. in Family Matters and in Full House, they were supposed to be middle-class families, but they were really, like, upper-middle-class Yeah, families. he was, like, a like
0: sergeant, a, you know, in the police force. They had money. Like, yeah. there was never, like, concern about whether or not they could make ends meet.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, and in Full House, he was, like, a, he was a host on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they had a huge home in San Francisco. I
0: know, come on. And as was
1: an adult. I'm like, oh, my God, they were loaded.
0: <laughs> yeah, they must have been, like, <laughs> beyond. Um, so... Yeah. And then Roseanne and Roseanne, it was a show about, um, they weren't poor in the sense that we, we should be clear about our terms. Like poverty is like, they didn't live in a public housing situation and they weren't on food stamps. Right, it wasn't. Right. Like, they were, they were the working class family. Two working adults, like Roseanne worked in a mm-hmm. factory where George Clooney was her boss. I know
1: that's so weird. I completely forgot about that. Yeah,
0: and then he left to do ER, but he right. was, he was like her. He was like the good-looking son of like the factory owner. Right, and right. so
1: they kind of like you know there was a lot of poking at him. Like exactly, he didn't really earn his place to be there.
0: Right, and then Roseanne was like the hard worker. Her and yeah. her sister worked in the factory before she became like a police officer. Like she
1: was the hard worker, but she also wasn't right. Yes. That yes. Was, that's yeah, that, the thing that was about that was the, the
0: needling of it right yeah.
1: She was like, oh, I work hard. And th- she was she was like always – her jokes were basically always her sitting there going like, don't you see how hard I'm working? <laughs> right. as she's definitely not working hard.
0: Exactly. She's yeah. like
1: eating chocolates. Don't you see how hard I'm working? <laughs> right. That's the whole concept of Roseanne.
0: Right. Taking her 15-minute break. And then like Dan, who played by John Goodman, could never get enough work doing his like uh, construction side business or whatever. Right. He was like a handyman kind of stuff. Right, right. And they could just never – like they had a house, but they just could never – afford anything beyond that. There were no They never got ahead. They never got ahead. But yeah. then
1: that's how the original series kind of ended. She won the lottery. Yes. They had all this money, and then he died. Yeah. Of a heart attack. Which right. now they're acting like
0: Never happened. Yeah.
1: They're <laughs> like, oh man, he's like, why does everybody think I'm dead? Yeah, they made a joke
0: about it in yeah. the first minute of it, right? They're <laughs> like, all right, we gotta
1: <laughs> And it was like their kids couldn't get ahead and their kids were all were making like um, choices in their lives that sort of reflect the concept of like when you can't get ahead in a in a lower income situation, right. Like Yeah. Um, not going to school and not not finishing high school or getting pregnant really young, yes, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, getting married to the wrong people. Yeah, yeah, and, and then repeating the cycle. But you know, it's interesting because uh, the revival happens, and in some sense, the cycle. Didn't repeat, and we'll talk about it a lot, but, like, th- th- there is some Maloo of the 80s where you, like, working class and you got a house and you had, like, four kids. Yeah. And now we don't think of that happening. Now there's, like, this failure to launch situation where, like, they had four kids and they don't have eight grandkids now. You know, the, the family's not multiplying. They're not forming new families and, like, multiplying, right? One of the plot points is, like, Becky's in her 40s and never had a kid and now right. she's finally going to have a-, a kid. And, then like, the Sarah Gilbert character with her, Charlene, right? Or- Darlene. Darlene, yeah, yeah. Um, she's got two kids. She's got two kids, but is single now. Again, it has to move back home. Right. Like, the home And I'm she kind grew of
1: curious in. as to yeah. where they're going to go with that storyline, because Johnny Galecki is on Big Bang, the- Big Bang Theory. Yes. And that clearly was, like, would have been her spouse. In right. fact, they were married when the show ended. I think so, yeah. So it's like, I'm curious, is he going to come back on Roseanne and play his old character? Because they haven't said, like, her partner is dead. Yes. Or... She, they've just, she just is not with that person. It's one of those TV things. They also haven't said his things. name. Yeah. And so I'm sort of like, okay, well, what channel is Big Bang Theory on?
0: CBS, I think. So yeah.
1: can he, like, is there a reason they can't even, they're not even talking about him and he's not going to come back because he's on a CBS show? Like, it actually can have something to do with right.
0: that. There, there's a Big Bang uh, Roseanne connection, of course, through Chuck Lorre, who's an uh, executive mm-hmm. producer and uh, Roseanne, the creator, one of the co-creators of uh Big Bang Theory. That's why Johnny Galecki and that's why Laurie Metcalf plays Sheldon's mom. Oh, that's right. And then in Young oh, Sheldon, so Laurie maybe... Metcalf's daughter plays her, the younger version of herself. Zoe Perry is, oh, really? is Laurie Metcalf's daughter from her first marriage. And she, now she's playing oh, with her Jeff mom. Oh, Perry, right? Yeah. One of the founders of Steppenwolf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the Hollywood aspect. It's like, yeah, it's a
1: whole little circle. So maybe he, Johnny Galecki can go back. And I guess yeah. the question is whether or not he has time or wants to.
0: Right. But Roseanne was huge. It was it was the number one show on television for yeah. a couple of years. It was a, as big as they get it. At a time when there were, like, less channels than there are today. When yeah. It was, like, CBS, ABC, NBC. Maybe sometimes people watch Fox. Yeah. You know, not that we have, like, streaming and Netflix and, like, premium and oh everything. God. We have, like, 500 channels. And, like, channels
1: AMC now. is making TV. TV and Lifetime's right. making TV, and,
0: and and Amazon, which is a company that ships products to you in the mail, <laughs> is making television.
1: Amazon, an online bookstore, is right. making TV. Exactly, yes.
0: very good television. I mean, yeah. transparent on um, it. And so it, it was huge, and it, it, it and there were a couple things that offered us. Right, everybody focuses on that they were a poor family and that you didn't have that um, going on. But it was, the name of the show was Roseanne. It, right. wasn't right. it wasn't the Connors. It wasn't Dan and Roseanne. Right. Rose, she was the center of the show. It was a story about what it was like to be this kind of mother. You know, right. she was like the the core of it. You couldn't have that show without her. You couldn't even create a similar-looking show without her being right. who she was, you know? Um, and so there, there, was, there was, from the beginning, already Roseanne represented a construction of a family that we talk about all the time. Like, the family has... Uh, values and it has a metaphor and it has like how the parents should imbue those morals onto the children. Right. From Roseanne. And Roseanne did it in like a very crass way. That was like her thing, right? right. She would spit and grab her crotch when singing the national anthem. It, w- it was in character, right? right? Roseanne Barr, the comedian, and Roseanne Barr, the, Roseanne Connor, the character she played on TV. Who knows who the real Roseanne Barr is, right? We, we talk about this all the time. Like there's, even we talked about with Obama, right? There was like, there's a real Barack Obama who curses the law and watches basketball and drinks beer and is on the wear I bet. And then there's like, the Barack Obama persona. Right. <laughs> Who's like the president of the United States of America for a while. Right. And now God knows what he's doing. And everybody has <laughs>
1: yeah. multiple personas. But right. of course, when you create a character on a TV show that has your own name. Yes. Like, <laughs> right. The character you've created is Roseanne. <laughs> right. And it's very similar to who you are as a person and the type of person you want to be. And you've created this character and you've created the show. Yeah. It's Obviously, not only is that character going to be similar to you, but it's also going to create a blurry line of who you are versus who the character is. Not necessarily for Roseanne Barr herself, but for the world. Like, everyone watches Roseanne and then thinks that that's exactly what Roseanne is like. Right. Um, Which, as the show progressed, Roseanne Barr got to be a very wealthy woman. Yes,
0: profoundly wealthy, yeah.
1: And was still playing a very poor woman on television. And so I think people were still viewing her in that way. And like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people were like, oh man, we should give some money to Roseanne. (laughs)
0: You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She probably needs it.
1: Yeah, She's having a hard time paying her electric bill. (laughs) My favorite episode, or well, I don't know what my favorite episode, but a a scene that I'll never forget is one where um, her and Dan are sitting at the kitchen table and they're up late at night and they're seriously trying to figure out how to pay their bills. Yeah. And it's a pretty somber moment, which is always what I liked about the show. Like they were actually struggling and they were, you were seeing them struggle all of the time, and then a joke would come in. Yeah. So they're sitting there struggling, and they're not sure what to do. And she goes, oh, well, she takes the electric bill, yeah. and she puts it in the water bill's envelope. And then she takes the water bill and puts it in an electric envelope. And she goes, well, oh, we paid them. Just the mail screwed them up and sent them to the wrong place. Yeah. And uh, the cable bill, she grabs that one, crumples it up, throws it in the trash. She goes, "That we never got that one. <laughs> and she's like, you know, yeah. creatively solving the problem of how they're going to pay their bills. Right. And I'll never forget it because I've definitely had some similar moments in my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every time I'm like... Every time I had a moment where I'm like, "How am I going to pay my bills?" Right. I always remember that. <laughs> like, always.
0: She provided you a model of how to be <laughs> Well, it was
1: all it. What <laughs> what she really did was provided me a situation to remember that I'm not the only person who's ever been here. Yeah. And that this is not this is not the end of me. Like, yeah. I will figure out a way, and I will eventually come to a point where I'm not worried about paying my bills. It, that's
0: so interesting because when Black Panther came out, everybody was talking about how comforting it is to represent your situation on screen. Right now, there's like a like Shuri was a young, black, smart character who's like a technologist. Like, oh, think about how that mattered to, like, young black girls who want to work in science. And you're like, think about how much Roseanne mattered to people struggling to pay their bills, that they can see that on television. And there's not, like, a demographic of, like... I mean, we're not, like, white or working class. We're just talking about people who were, like, struggling to pay their bills are very universal life situation you can be it's not wealthy and struggle
1: to pay your bills that's true. because you maybe bit off more than you can chew <laughs> yeah and obviously that's a different type of situation sure. because in roseanne there are people who are struggling to p- pay the basics of their bills right yeah so um but yeah i mean sometimes when you're in that situation whatever situation that's got you like down and out right. when you can see something on television that reminds you like you are not the only one experiencing that and you don't have to be so ashamed of that. Right. Because Roseanne is putting these characters on television and they're not ashamed at all.
0: No, no, that's That's the other thing. Like
1: sometimes the kids were ashamed and even in the new episodes when Becky's cleaning and, um, they're like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm trying to not make us look as poor as we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause the rich, the, sur- the rich person who's hiring her to be the surrogate yeah. parents coming over. Right. right. And yeah. so she's
1: like, I don't want us to look as poor as we are. Right. And I don't want us to look as obese as we are. So all the fat pictures have to go <laughs> yeah. away. But the thing is, is Roseanne and Dan are never really embarrassed to be poor and never embarrassed to be overweight. Right. And they're just living their life the way that they are. And so that's in that sense, that's a really great uh, role model on television yeah. to to not be embarrassed with whatever your current situation is and know that, like, that one situation is not going to get you down and out. Roseanne yeah. never... She always keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, so a question for you. I want your answer. Uh-huh. Is Roseanne a nurturing parent or a strict father? The original. And then we'll get into, like, her her reincarnation.
1: Um, Roseanne is, in my opinion... Strict father with serious in group nurturance. Yes,
0: serious in group nurturance. Yeah. Which was in display in the second episode, especially. Yeah. But she's a strict father as a mother. And we, we talk about this all the time. It's like just because it says strict father doesn't mean a woman can't uh, uh, oh, yeah. take on the mantle. She's certainly it's a strict a, father. Yeah. Right. And, and so, like, the show she was creating, in one sense, it was unique on television uh, because it showed poverty in a way, or not poverty, but like this ends me, struggling to make ends meet in mm-hmm. a way. Um, but also that the mother knows best, you know, it was always like father's knows best and mothers know. mother knows best, but she doesn't do it in a nurturant way. No. It's not like mother knows best and I'm like going to just take care of you. No. Mother knows best the way father used to know best. I'm going to tell you what to do. Right. And I know better than you and I'm the authority. Right. And she really came in the first episode back, like there was a part where, uh, uh, Darlene's daughter didn't want to babysit. She goes, "I'll handle this. You're babysitting, right? <laughs> I, told, I just told you what to do. I'm the moral authority. I'm like a, a, the head of right. this family, and I just told you what to do. And if if I didn't tell you what to do, there would be chaos, right? So I'm creating order out of chaos, right? And then you know, Darlene's like, "No, I'm trying to like be nurturing to her, right? And and they're like,
1: and no. well, it's very interesting because both Dan and Roseanne represent like strict father parents. Yes. But they have serious in group nurturance. Yeah,
0: Dan's a little bit of a softy, but yeah. Yeah, but still yeah. he d-
1: his moral high ground is like this is the way this is right and this is wrong and this is how I feel. Yes, very true. And um and then but their kids their children seem. Darlene has always been the more prominent of the three kids, yeah. and then they had that fourth kid, Jerry, that was a baby when they finished the season right, four, and now exactly. he's not coming back. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, but Darlene has actually, I think, always been the most prominent character of the three kids.
0: She was the strongest actor at, when they were teenagers too. Right. Which, which probably factored into some of. Probably it. Yeah.
1: her her roles were always written m- with more prominent like space, and then yeah. Becky left for a while, and DJ was always just like playing TV. Yeah. Or playing video games or whatever. But um, Darlene's character in particular is very much like a nurturant parent. Yeah. So it's just a. I also find that really interesting because that's realistic because plenty of strict father parents um, can have kids with a totally different moral code. And right. then that therein creates the conflict of like I don't know how to identify with you because my moral code is different than yours. Yeah,
0: that's right. And then the the, the – Um, Not only the child doesn't get it, like, why does the parent have to be that way? But then the parent has this anxiety of, like, oh, I am supposed to, like, perpetuate this order, and then my child has failed me, and it's... Mission right. to perpetuate the order I'm creating.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: You know, like the kids are ruining everything. Everything I did. Everything I tried to accomplish. Right. My kids are ruining. I tried
1: to teach <laughs> you how to be morally yeah. correct, and right. Then the, and it's not that Darlene isn't is or isn't morally correct. It's that her morals are different, and therefore, but the parents can only see it as not being morally correct.
0: That's right. Yeah. Like they've they're, so they're failing. So it's the moral conflict.
1: But so the thing that I found interesting about Roseanne in this new episode.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that she went hardcore into the politics.
0: Yeah, it it, it was. They didn't and,
1: even dance around it. It
0: was amazing that they. It was literally, like um, I mentioned in the intro, genetically modified. Yeah. Right? it was. Yeah, like unbelievable. I liked how you said that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's
1: really strong. Yeah. So how did you feel about the fact that? they were so they were like they weren't even pretending to be about politics like it's a new show it's a re, re, reboot of an old show yeah and this whole season is clearly going to be about hot button issues and politics
0: and we're just going to hash it out I, I i think it was um
1: like what was your initial take when my you were watching my
0: it? my initial take when i was watching it was uh, it didn't feel like a roseanne show it didn't feel like the old version i mean how could it it was so many years later you right know? um and then I felt like, okay, this is just the gladiator arena America needs right now. You know, we just really Yeah. It's like we're gonna throw a bunch of people in this room, or we're all gonna watch it together, and there's gonna be a fight about it, and then we're gonna be like a family at the end of it. Uh that's where I took away and, and you know, there was that fight between Roseanne and um his Jackie, Jackie uh and we'll talk about their acting skills in a second, but um, when they finally hadn't talked to each other since the election, which is uh-huh. not an unusual thing to have happened. We've talked about this on the show previously, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they're kind of reconciling, and they're having a fight over who they voted for and why they did it and everything like that. And then Jackie goes, oh, I'm sorry, Roseanne. And she's waiting for her to say something back, and you expect like Roseanne to say, I'm sorry, too. And then Roseanne goes, I forgive you, right? right? And then they hug it out, you know?
1: See, but that's where I yeah. had like a – I did and didn't like that.
0: Yeah, no, no. And, and let's talk about why you didn't – why didn't you – why did you like it and why didn't you like it?
1: Okay, why I didn't like it is because I was like, okay, they're clearly doing a thing. They're using this platform to really get out there the thing that we've all been talking about yes. for a year and a half. Right. The fact that the country is divided and that siblings no, can no longer agree yeah. to the root of who they are. And it's like conversations can't even be had. And everybody is like drawing the line with like, I'm a Republican, that's f- therefore I feel this, this, and this. I'm yeah. a liberal, therefore I feel this, this, and this. Yeah. And... That is like the feeling in the world. However, that's not really real. So when that comes to, when you when you paint those big, wide brush strokes on mm-hmm. top of characters that aren't real yeah. and um, iterations of people who aren't real, yeah. I think you're not helping the, the country have a dialogue. Mm. I think you're only hurting it.
0: Okay, why, why, why? You, because you think it's fake? It's like like sugar. It's not really like the meat we need. Is that the?
1: Well, the the most real thing that I thought happened in the first episode was actually when Jackie admitted that the reason she was so upset with Roseanne was because she ended up voting for Jill Stein.
0: Yes. So l- let's explain that joke for a second. So a lot of people like think it's a 2016 Jill Stein joke. It's a 2012 joke because Roseanne ran against Jill Stein for nominate for the Green Party nomination in 2012 and lost to Jill Stein in 2012 so Roseanne was there was a, there yeah. was a layer of that where Roseanne was like digging at the person who beat her in the politics. so
1: it is that yeah. But, yeah. but also like yeah. I met someone the day after the election who was so distraught in a really odd way yeah. We were—I um, had never met her before, and there were some people visiting from out of town. And we went to go get dinner, and we were all upset about the election. Sure. And finally, to a room, to a car full of strangers—well, she knew some of the people, but to, my husband and I were strangers— she says to us, I got to admit something. I voted for Jill Stein oh, wow. in Michigan. Wow. And we were like, why? And she said— I was so confused and there were so many things being said about Hillary and I was so wrapped up in it and I sent in an absentee ballot for Jill Stein and as soon as it went off in the mail I thought I'm not sure if that was the right decision but then I also thought there's no way he'll win anyway yeah. so it didn't really matter Right. and then he won and now I regret my vote for Jill Stein. Oh wow. And I'm a part of why he was elected. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what Jackie said in That's the right. show. Yeah. yeah. And so when Jackie is saying, Jackie is harboring all of this anger and angst at Roseanne and what she really is harboring anger and angst at is not actually at her sister who voted for Trump, mm-hmm. but at herself for voting, voting for Jill Stein yeah. and also at, for, at the world or at the country for voting for something that she thinks is unspeakable. Yeah. Like, she voted for Jill Stein and thought it would be okay because she thought she could rely on the citizens of the country to make what she quote unquote felt like would be the right choice. Right. So she's all torn up and ripped up about this, and that's why she's so angry with Roseanne. Mm. So that was like a real multi-dimensional feeling. She relied
0: on somebody else to do the right thing.
1: Right. And then, and then now she has to deal with herself with, with the fact that she has to like deal with her own feelings and her own inner work on this. And then the fact that Roseanne has like, she's one dimensional is like, no, I'm angry with you because you're angry with me. Mm. I'm, I like, I'm angry with you because you voted for someone who is like, a liar and a crazy person.
0: Liar, liar, pantsuit on fire. Right, right, <laughs> right, which is what she said. <laughs>
1: but like Roseanne's argument was a little more painted as one-dimensional and is not helping because even though Roseanne Barr herself voted mm-hmm. for Trump and right. is a Trump supporter, yeah, she still did was actually not able in the episodes that I've seen so far to effectively clearly communicate why trump is a good president and why she voted for him yeah whereas the character of jackie effectively and clearly communicated why she is upset with herself for how it went down
0: do, do you think it's on un, on like the real reasons because we keep talking about like there's a dark reason people voted for trump and you almost couldn't put it on television so you, we dance around some of the like oh i like him cuz he makes fun of other people or he like he talked about jobs but she can't say on television i like them cuz he's going to kick out the immigrants or something like that
1: well i think that it's i think it's certainly not only possible but definitely a fact that there are people who voted for trump mm-hmm. who uh don't have a dark reason yeah for sure like they and if even if even if you Took all of the reasons for why they voted for Trump, and then you deluded them and talked to them to death. You may find that that person has a racial bias or right. prejudice that they didn't even realize was there. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it necessarily a dark reason because they're not—they're not—it's not their motivating factors. Like I hate people of color. Right. It's like I am fearful. Right. I am whatever these other things are, and they have things to work through. And we as people should accept and understand and respect people when they're able to say I am working on myself as a person and these are things I'm working on right so I know plenty of people who voted for Trump and I am not going to sit here and tell you that they're terrible people yeah so they're so so I want to know I really truly want them to be able to communicate with me why they voted for Trump and for me to understand it and that's part of our podcast Our podcast, we talk about frames all the time and speaking with your own language instead of the Orwellian language. And that's why it's difficult, right? When someone voted for Trump and they're trying to communicate with me why they voted for Trump and why he's a good candidate, it's possible that they are trying to communicate it and I can't hear it.
0: Yeah. Right? Right.
1: But the problem I'm having with Roseanne is... She's not really trying to communicate it. She just said, because he talked about jobs and I and we we need jobs.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like she he didn't, she it wasn't even lip service that she gave to like her motivations for voting for him. Right. right. It wasn't like an emotional connection that she expressed. Like you, you believe Jackie a little bit more, but even that was but you're right.
1: But the thing is is Roseanne goes on to um have differing views with the Republican Party through the entire two two first episodes. Yes. However, Roseanne, the real person in real life, um, has some pretty intense views, and she they're clear. So if she in real life has intense views and they're clear, and her show is muddled, it's because Roseanne herself doesn't want to put her own views into the show because she thinks they are dark views yeah. or that they won't be accepted and no one will watch the show or whatever.
0: She has her wackadoo um, political conspiracies. You know, she just tweeted about, like, uh, Trump arresting pimps all over across America, you know? It's like it's like these weird... She you know,
1: tweeted about Trump arresting pimps?
0: Yeah. I missed like, that one. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's really cracking down on all, all this sex trafficking. And I was like, what are you th- even talking about? You know, it's just like these weird <laughs> wackadoo uh, things that are out there. Yeah, there was, a, there was a part about me that didn't like the show on a craft level. I mean, you can just tell. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the, the kids haven't acted in years. And it, it was just, they were just so out of shape. They're, like, just not in, in acting shape or something. Roseanne's yeah. lost a step. I mean, yeah.
1: John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf were awesome. Yes. Sarah Gilbert's okay. She's okay, yeah. Um. Because she, she's done some acting. She right. was on Big Bang Theory.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> and... Uh, Sarah Chalk is awesome. Yes. Uh, but the other actors who haven't been acting or acting very much in the last, I don't know, twenty something years. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, they're definitely like a little rusty. Right. And like the old Becky, who's like the current Becky. Yeah. Her voice is like really odd. She right. keeps doing this like weird thing with her voice, but then maybe it always sounded like that and I don't remember.
0: Oh, but Roseanne herself has lost a step, which is like as as like a force of nature that she was on the show. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess we all get old and, and that's what happens to you. But in, in the way that John Goodman hasn't, I guess maybe he just has been working a lot more as an actor. Roseanne hasn't been...
1: I think he's been working. I mean, yeah. he's been working, but he's also been working on so many different types of characters. Yeah. He is constantly like pushing himself as an actor and he's like building his craft of an actor and right. all that that cheesy language that's actually real for him yeah so i mean like i think of him in like oh brother where art thou sure, and, yeah. like, i mean he's just played some really amazing roles and he's always working on being an actor and playing the truth of a character right so roseanne was a comedian who wrote who made a show and her character was always kind of one note mm-hmm. and um unfortunately like she is still playing her character that way and in the last like 20 years or however many years since the show's been off the air um tv has gotten better and we as an audience expect more yeah from television we no longer really watch shows that have a static set like that
0: yeah that's true yeah
1: um Like, Big Bang Theory is one of the last few shows that have a static set.
0: Almost because it itself is, like, 15 years old. It is a really old show, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So we don't really make TV like that anymore. Right. We don't really do live audience, which is the static set thing. We don't right. really do the live audience thing anymore. Um, but we also expect our characters to be way more dimensional. That's right. Yeah. Um, we expect them to be more genuine and realistic yeah. instead of like panning for the laughter and holding for applause. Right. Um, so they're trying to do an old TV model.
0: <laughs> the, the second you said that, all I could think about is Chandler. Chandler Bing, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, it's almost like, hey, I just did a joke in front of a live studio audience. waiting
1: for the laughter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that there, as you're watching it back, you're like, oh, I'm nostalgic for when this was like this before. But like for some reason, I'm, I'm like, did I? I was actually thinking to myself, like, why did I like this before? Because it doesn't seem that great right now. Right. Um, but then some of the jokes were actually really funny. So I was like, oh yeah, it still is pretty funny. Right. Uh, but like. There's something about the aesthetic, so I think we as an audience are expect more out of television.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting to me because I, I'm an outspoken. I really don't like nostalgia projects. They're, they're a copy of a copy, you know. And, and I felt that way about like the, the Force Awakens, we don't talk Star Wars on the show yet. But uh, <laughs> you know, when it came out, I'm like, this was a copy of a copy, and it was like, oh, they're making like new for the new generation. I'm like, no, they're copying it. They, they don't. They're not going out there and like doing. Something on its own, you know, on its own Uh merit, like generating new ideas, you know? Oh, I see. You know, and so, like, all all these revival, oh, they're bringing back this show. I'm like, I have no interest. I have no interest in watching a watered down version of what Roseanne was 20 years ago and was relevant and powerful. Um, but watching it, it was, it was, again, just interesting as a vessel for the things that the nation wants to talk about. And we used an old vessel because we can all agree that we'll watch it together versus maybe a new vessel, which maybe we're not all going to like at the same time right you know so oh roseanne roseanne is where we're all gonna go together and hash this stuff out and partly while we're having this episode was like hey they they threw it down in there they they were trying to hash it out let, let's let jam royal rumble time this is
1: yeah but you know? that's, the, that's the thing like yeah. i think all i actually think that in some ways maybe it helps people hash it out but yeah And on the other level, I think that a show like that is seriously just perpetuating the old fights. Yeah. Because I could go watch that with someone in my family who we have different political views. And I'm going to look at it and I'm going to be like, well, like I'll want to maybe I want to talk about the show and say, like, see, everybody has different views. And they're like, well, see, I'm hearing my side get repeated. And and but like. Does someone who voted for Trump necessarily feel that Roseanne embodies them? Probably not. Roseanne's yeah. very specific. Right. And I voted for Hillary. Do I think that Jackie is <laughs> no, embodying I, I, me? And like, no, Jackie's kind of crazy and Jackie's always yeah, been kinda crazy. Right.
0: Um is, is there a character on T V that you feel like embodies your political situation in some sense? Like, oh yeah, she's just like me. She's a Hillary voter and she said the right things or, you know. Not like you're a Hillary voter, but you voted for Hillary.
1: Well, I don't know because the the thing is, what when you see a character, what you're really seeing is an actor read the lines of the feelings and emotions of the TV show's writers.
0: Yeah.
1: So, Roseanne created Rose, Roseanne, uh-huh. and she is a Trump voter. Right. So it's all going to come through her lens. Yeah. However, most. Writers for television are lean liberal, so it's probably not going to get too crazy to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're – so they're making Jackie look unrealistic as mm-hmm. a no, – but, but here's the thing. Jackie was always an unrealistic character, that's true, and that's yeah. kind of why I loved her. Yeah. And, of course, she's the Hillary voter, and she she's one of the, – the whole point of Jackie is whatever she decides she's doing, she is doing it to the hundredth degree. Yes. And that's Th- – That's her pathology. That's yeah. her deal. And yeah. so – yeah, it's great. So, of course, she wears the hat and the T-shirt and uh. she's in it. And I get that. But that doesn't help me feel like there's someone out there representing my side because I'm like, I'm nothing like Jackie. Yeah. And I also don't think that Hillary Clinton was a perfect person. Sure. And I – so I'm like not – it doesn't gel. But then you take like – um
0: could okay. you laugh at the joke, liar, liar, pants, suit, on fire? Yeah, I laughed at I it. I did. It was actually that funny. It was super so funny. It yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, but then, like, okay, so take Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Um, Grey's Anatomy has been on the air for... A hundred years. A hundred years. <laughs> yeah. I was in college when Grey's Anatomy started. That's right, so yeah. So, I, it feels like a very long time. Right. I was a totally different person when it started. I
0: think Roseanne and Grey's Anatomy might have overlapped, like, the end of Roseanne. No.
1: No, no I don't no. think so. going
0: to no, because uh, I take that back. Yes.
1: Yeah, it was the 90s when Ro- I think it was Roseanne 97 ended, when Roseanne like 97, ended. Gray's
0: and I, in like 97. Grey's Muscles started like 2001
1: 2004 or 5.
0: Oh, really? That late? Yeah. Okay, I take it back.
1: So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a gap. But so Grey's Anatomy, when it started, Grey's Anatomy was like... It was a show about affairs and gossip, and it takes place in a hospital.
0: Super soapy, and I watched the first six seasons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, I still occasionally watch an episode. Nice. And every time I watch it, I'm watching it because I'm like, oh, well, whatever. It's like something I can put on in the background. Right. I'm not a committed Grey's Anatomy fan anymore. Mm. Um, however, I have seen the new season, some of it, and in the new season. Uh, and particularly in the last season um they are bringing up one hot button issue in almost every single episode so Roseanne's pilot had every every single hot
0: button issue every single
1: one and they got half of them out in the first five minutes I was like wow we're they're doing it yeah and that's also like not realistic so it's also immediately tells me like we're a tv show Which you don't really want to do that with a TV show.
0: You know what's interesting? So um, I saw on Twitter a couple of people talking about like, okay, Roseanne settled the issue of who the characters in Roseanne voted for. If Seinfeld was still on, who would they have voted for? If Friends was still on, who would they have voted for? I'm glad Seinfeld and Friends are not still on and here to answer that question of who yeah. Chandler Bing and Kramer voted for. right? <laughs> and, 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 and there was like a funny, uh, someone had a funny plot to us like, oh, there's going to be, there would have been a Seinfeld episode where they all voted for Trump in the end for escalating reasons of selfishness.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like, that's exactly how it would have. Yeah, been. yeah. Jerry was like wanted to like sleep with a hot Trump supporter or something. So he, right. ended, you know, and like George did it to like curry favor with Steinbrenner or Kramer did it like accidentally because he couldn't figure right. out the, right. the, the polling situation. Right. And you Julia Louis
1: Dreyfus did it because like Jay
0: Peterman or something. Right. Yeah. Something.
1: Yeah. It would. Yeah.
0: I, I am glad those shows are apolitical. I'm glad that we had art. That could be apolitical. That had a a shared experience yeah. that didn't devolve into a hot button issue.
1: But here's the thing: yeah. so you've got Grey's Anatomy, and it's very clear yes. how that I can tell how, at the very least, how Shonda Rhimes feels. Yeah. But probably how her writing staff feels,
0: right? Because her liberal Hollywood her, <laughs> her writing staff. Yes. Because
1: every <laughs> single episode, there's a hot button issue comes up. Yes. And they are, it's an issue, and they're putting it out there, and they're. Telling you how you feel, mm-hmm. how they feel. Right. And even though a lot of how they feel aligns with how I feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like they're trying to tell me teach me something. Yeah. And when I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, I'm not trying to be taught something. Mm-hmm. I also get the fact that they have a platform and people are watching their show. And if they think there's something important to say, they want to share it. So that's so you and you should as an artist, you always want to use whatever platform you have to say something and yes. be the voice of something. So right. I get that, too. But um, it has become so It that concept has become so one dimensional right. that it's. It's not representing me either. So despite the fact that all of their characters are liberal and all yeah, of their characters right. <laughs> somehow feel the exact same way yes. about all of these topics, and it's very similar to the way I feel, I don't feel represented in that show. Interesting. Because yeah. that's because they don't even seem to have to struggle with it.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Like, they're in that show. It's almost
0: fan service for politics. Like, they're giving, like, the political junkies what they want. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's just like in, in Star Wars where they had like these little scenes. I gave like the, um, allusions back to previous episodes or you know like ready player one where it's all like fan service it's just like i'm tossing out like nostalgia for you it's almost like that for politics i feel this way about an issue and then like the character's just mirroring what you feel yes Yes.
1: exactly no one seems to be struggling with it the one that i'm trying to remember that was more recent was um a black teenager gets shot in his own backyard Mm. and it's like so clearly ripped from the headlines because that happens like every week yeah, and, and just, tragically just happened and just happened again yeah. and so of course i feel the same way that shonda Rhimes and her writing team feels about this kid however or about this this whole thing that keeps happening in our country yeah so the family shows up and the only people in the whole scenario that think that the cops were right to shoot a kid in the back in his own backyard are the cops. Yeah, And none of the doctors and none of the nurses and none of the family. And so I'm sitting here looking at this going like, if you're really trying to teach us something, you're missing the teaching moment. Yeah. Because the only time a teaching moment happens is when people disagree and people listen to each other and understand. And then you then you get that person to see how they were wrong. But a, an EMT or a cop who's has two lines and is not really a part of the show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we don't have any investment in whether or not they change or care. We only have that investment in the main characters. Right. So – The writers of TV shows need to be willing to sacrifice one of their main characters that they love and give them viewpoints that they disagree with.
0: So this is fascinating. I'm glad you brought this up because uh, there have been calls on whether or not we should watch Roseanne in the first place at this point, if she's going to represent that point of view. Art relies on conflict, right? It relies on you actually getting the other side. And, And one of the failures of the Marvel movies that... That Black Panther finally solved was like the villains never really had a point of view. They were just the evil version of like the, the right. good guy and he goes, ha ha, I'm gonna take over the world. Why are you doing it? Who knows? Who was your motivation? Right. Like they couldn't even give them lip service. And right. then Killmonger and Black Panther had a point of view about why he wanted to take over Wakanda and what he wanted to.
1: Which, by the way, someone recently told me they thought he didn't have a point of view. And I was like, huh. Really?
0: I he, he had, a, had better, a very
1: clear point of view. The whole view. point of the movie
0: was that the Black Panther, in fact, agrees with him in the end on some level. Right. And I think that <laughs> yeah. people were
1: like, therefore, he didn't have an original point of view. I'm like, nah, I'm done. No, I'm
0: done. no, no. Like, You're like, mi- not, you, you, you missed it. You missed, you missed it, it completely. i yeah, like, I can't help you. <laughs> you know? And so now we, we have this feeling where we can't give the, the points of views we disagree with proper weight. Right. Because it seems like, oh, now you're advocating for them. You have to advocate for them on some level for there to be the conflict right. of the disagreement for you to come to a new perspective. And that's
1: why I have an issue with Roseanne. And this is why. Roseanne and Jackie are are no longer three-dimensional characters. When a, When a TV show is created, take Friends, for example, uh-huh. Monica... In the beginning, Monica was like a girl who was trying to be a chef. Yes. And Jennifer Aniston's character, Rachel, was um, uh, trying to be like a shopper, but she was or she was trying to get into fashion, but she was like,
0: Well, she was no in the pilot episode, she was daddy's rich um, daughter. Remember oh, they had to cut yeah. the credit cards when she ran right, out of running. Right. But, yeah. but then they were like, What
1: do you want to do with your life now that you have to find a job? And she yes. was like she wanted to get into fashion yes. and she ends up working at the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And so they're like there, she's, like, trying to learn how to be an adult in the real yeah. world. Being, and Monica's, bad at being
0: bad at work in the coffee yeah. Yeah, yeah, and
1: Monica's, like, trying to be a career person. Yeah. Jump to the end of, like, the final season of Friends. Season 47 it, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. S- Season, yeah, season 47. <laughs> it was, like,
0: 10, right? And, and Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Monica is, like, an OCD freak who cleans, and that's, like, all that she is. Yes. And Rachel is, like, a superficial... Um, materialistic person and that's right. all that she is. Yeah. And that's what happens in a lot of times to TV shows. You live with that character for so long. Now David Schwimmer is literally just a whiner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. <laughs> so uh, they yeah. just
1: become these types of characters with this one idea. And
0: Phoebe's just a ditz. And
1: Phoebe's just a ditz. Where yeah. in the pilot she was actually not that ditzy. Yeah. But they made her so ditzy by the end to try to really make sure she had a specific character. That's right, yeah. So that of course happened in Roseanne's characters. Now that it's a reboot they're jumping back into these defined specific types of characters Mm. and Jackie and Roseanne were the most specific when the show ended. So you come back into it. They're super specific. Jackie's crazy and and is a life coach and like, you know, has like her whole pathology. And Mm. then Roseanne is like crass and rude and only cares about herself. Right. So you try to paint a Trump voter and a, um, and a Hillary voter on top of these two types of characters. And the point I'm trying to make is that even if you tried to make their reasons for voting for Trump and how they feel about him now, yeah. or your reasons for voting, voting for Hillary and how they feel about Trump now, yeah. even if you tried to make those specific political feelings specific, like, really specific and clear and multidimensional. Yeah, yeah. You put them onto one-dimensional characters and they're automatically losing all of the weight and the gravitas of a real person in the real world. This is why I don't think it helps us make this dialogue.
0: Mm, That's interesting, yeah.
1: So if instead you found a TV show where you have a character that's, like, really multidimensional, like think um in Homeland season 1. Okay. Uh is her name Carrie?
0: I haven't seen the show but uh so let's explain it a little bit. Oh, okay, but, yeah.
1: so Homeland season 1, it's Claire Danes and she is like a CIA operative uh-huh. who is struggling with the fact that she is bipolar. Yeah. And um she is a multi dimensional character, but when she gets in, when she stops taking her medicine and it goes really off the rails, mm-hmm. she becomes a one dimensional character because a disease is like completely taken over her yes, life. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is like, She's only one-dimensional when she's representing someone who's controlled by a disease. Uh-huh. Jackie and Roseanne are one-dimensional all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're supposed to be real person, like a real average person. Yes. And so Carrie, when she's on her meds and she's representing, like, she has so many inner conflicts and she ends up having an affair with someone who she thinks is a terrorist. Right. And all of these types of things, you paint um someone who has certain political leanings and why they made those choices and their inner conflict on top of a multi-dimensional character yeah. and you immediately see like Carrie maybe a, like a liberal and maybe maybe she's a liberal through and through but then of course she's going to have one specific area where she agrees with the republican side and yeah. that's more real
0: yes 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 That's what... You're saying that's what America needs. America needs...
1: Sorry, it took me a long (laughs) time to get there. No, but you... Talking it through.
0: Like, you need a character that you actually understand where they're coming from and you see why they made the decision, even if you disagree with it in that moment, right? But it was true to their character when they decided to do it.
1: And that that choice for that character... That choice for them to believe that way is true to the character of who they really are. Because there are people on Grey's Anatomy that um, are rich doctors from the middle of the country yeah, and yet they still somehow have like a really liberal viewpoint sure, and you're yeah. like you're super wealthy and yes. you are be- would benefit from a Republican tax plan yes so it's it would be hard pressed for me to find 20 doctors who all disagree with a, with a Republican tax plan when you all plan to benefit from it. Like, that's just yes. not real. Yeah. And that doesn't even make you a Republican. That makes you a real person right. who can have – they don't just – they don't paint you blue and red.
0: Right, right. There, there, there should be a doctor in Grayson Anatomy who's like, oh, I'm loving this tax cut thank God the Republicans did something for us, and yet it's still on social issues, for example. They could be like, oh, yeah, I voted Republican. The Republicans are, g- are going to get over their opposition to gay marriage or something like that. You know, like, oh, that's going to be in the past. Don't worry. Like, right. You know, like, they're trying to reform their own conservative party. You know, like, they don't believe with some of it, but they believe with a lot of it, and then it's true to their character why they would have that political opinion.
1: Right. Yeah. It's n- like... N-
0: not going to find it on... <laughs> no. no.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I... And whether or not we need that in TV, yeah, I, I'm not here to make that case that we need those types of characters in TV. Right. What I am saying is if you're going to make a show that's going to talk about politics and really try to hash it out and get to the meat of it, yeah. then you need realistic people with realistic political points of view. Mm.
0: I'm going to ask you another question, Chelsea. This is very interesting to me. I want to hear your point of view. Okay. Is Roseanne a feminist? yeah she is right, yeah, yeah yeah the, the, there's an element to her where like, because a lot of the she's like, oh, she's a Trump supporter. Trump is the sexual assault president, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like the horrible human being that treats women like property and wants to sleep with his daughter, you know, it's like really you know, not really there for women. um <clears throat> can you there be for that can you therefore be a feminist if you're also? Trump support. What makes what makes Rosanna a feminist?
1: Well, the definition of feminist just means that someone who believes that women uh, are equal to men. Yeah. Um, that means that they deserve the same opportunities. They deserve the same... Possibility to make the same amount of money. They, they, they have the same rights and they deserve the same opportunities. Right. And Roseanne totally feels that women deserve have the same rights and deserve the same opportunities.
0: She's almost an uber feminist. She's in charge of the family. She's in, in charge. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: And um, she certainly would never let her daughters be married to someone who would say like, "It's your job to cook the meal because you're a woman." She would yes. stand up and say like, "Absolutely, right, not. yeah." <laughs> um. So, yeah, she is a feminist, but that is the question no one has been able to solve. A lot of women who are feminist or have feminist beliefs, right. meaning they think that they are just as important or valuable as men, mm-hmm. voted for Trump. Yeah. I have yet to hear someone communicate completely how they can feel the way they do about women and women's place in the world yes. and voted for Trump. I'm not saying that there isn't a real reason. Mm-hmm. No one has communicated to me yet.
0: We need a character on TV to do it. <laughs> it's it's true, right? We need, yeah. a, we need a feminist who voted for Trump is not a caricature, who's not like, I voted for Trump because, like, uh, I'm a feminist, but I'm also a racist. Or I'm a feminist, but I'm also some other pathology like someone who has a a complete psyche and can well there's
1: plenty of women that have worked for trump's administration and i have Kellyanne conway and hope hicks none of them have been able to communicate why they voted for trump and they seem to be feminists yes in the fact that they are they think that they think them they themselves are worth something yes but maybe they're not feminists because maybe they don't I don't know. I haven't sat down with Kelly Conway or Hope exactly. Yeah. but I—I um, I don't know. I, I have yet to to see someone make a case for how you can have those two viewpoints that seem so um, polar opposite
0: to me. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, on another level, you could you could uh, sometimes men uh, uncouthly will ask. Who are on the Republican side of the fence will ask other men, how could they possibly vote for Democrats? Because it's like they, they're they uh, anti masculine. And you know, it's interesting because Dan Connors, John Goodman's character, mm-hmm. he actually had like a. He shot a dart at that idea. It goes, when did masculinity become a bad word? Right. You know, and it's almost like, oh, you vote for Democrat? Isn't that like for women or something like that? I'm like, no, it's not for women. It's for everyone. It's inclusive. It's like empathetic is nurture and we're all in this together it's not yeah. like for women or for men you know like Connor lamb when he won in you know in steel country or porn stash not porn iron stash, <laughs> I call him porn stash? <laughs> iron stash yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the image she's putting my head. iron stash who, who's a steel worker running against paul ryan in his congressional district right yeah. he's not there like oh yeah vote for democrats because we're 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 the party the feminine party we're like the nurturing party and like men mm-hmm. can be nurturing and women can be nurturing even though we but, you know, Demo- yeah.
1: but to be fair, Democrats yeah. have painted a point of view where you see a man who's like big and strong and does masculine things like hunt or fish right. or just lift weights. I don't yeah. know. Right. Yeah. And suddenly now those people, no matter what their political viewpoint is, yeah. that person is now lumped into a category of masculinity and masculinity is painted as a negative thing. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because there are plenty of masculine men who are not, don't have, uh, what am I trying to say? There are plenty of masculine men who have really interesting viewpoints and complex points of view and also believe in inclusivity and empathy. Right. Yeah. So I I agree. I want to know, too, when did masculinity become such an, like, now it's like, yay, yay for women, but also like still yay for men. Yeah. But in... I don't know. It's it's a complicated subject. Yeah.
0: And, and now that I'm raising two children, uh, one I'm ostensibly raising to be a male and one I'm ostensibly raising to be female. They they may choose otherwise, you know, as they express themselves as they get older. But, you know, th- th- there was like this implication on the left side that like I shouldn't promote masculinity in my son or I shouldn't promote femininity in my daughter. Right. And I'm like, well, on one level, Lucas, I got to make a man out of him a little bit. You know, I got to prepare <laughs> him for the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm his father. I can't let him go out there and get his... His butt whip left and right. He's got to right. learn how to stand up for himself. But I also feel Zoe should stand up for herself. Right. right. I'm not saying like, okay, well, Zoe, you're the girl. So if somebody, you know, pushes you around, like she's a barbarian. She she doesn't take yeah. anything from anybody, you know? <laughs> but... um yeah, when did it become a bad? Why? Why? I think you use this as an acting metaphor. Like there are pots, and then yeah. you take things from a pot. Why can't masculinity be a pot that you take some things from? Femininity be a pot that you take some things from, right. and not, and, w- yeah. and
1: those pots of uh, attributes that you build right. up your character as a person and characters that you play as right. an actor, um, those pots of things shouldn't carry extra weight yes so femininity and masculinity shouldn't also carry with it uh labels like republican or democrat yeah you should be able to be masculine and be a democrat or a libertarian or an independent or Mm -hmm. a republican right yeah because masculinity has nothing to do with the other things right you should also be able to be masculine and not shoot up a school because now they're saying toxic masculinity for kids who shoot up a school and yes it is always boys who are shooting up a school. So, yeah. yes, we should, like, look into this. Yes. But by using the word masculinity and making that a negative word, yeah. that's also s- weird.
0: It's weird, yeah. And
1: not fair because, like, there are – I I've, There are a lot of
0: positive aspects of masculinity. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like – Just like there are a lot of positive aspects of femininity. Of femininity. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I did – I shoveled coal. That was a very masculine job. Yeah. That was me putting on my coat of masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be labeled for anything other than being myself just because I did a masculine job. Yes. And yeah. most people think it's very cool that I did this masculine job of shoveling coal. I think it's
0: awesome. But uh, the, <laughs> yeah. but
1: I shoveled coal with men. And if those men tell other people like, yeah, this really masculine, I shoveled coal. Now they're... Now they're a coal miner, and now there's a label, and now they're a Republican, yeah. and now there's a bunch of things that go on that list. Right. But it doesn't happen to me because I'm a woman.
0: Yes, that's interesting. So yeah. Yeah. again,
1: like, it, I actually think that that was a really, that was a very honest and true point in Roseanne's show. So yeah. it had, they were sprinkled there, um, but as a whole, I felt like it was not necessarily helping the mm-hmm. world the country's dialogue it was hurting it.
0: That's interesting I, and so I mean to get back to like the the moral aspects a lot of these issues will shift over time like the morals is the the base and you know over time we don't believe that marriage equality will continue to be a thing like even over time we've talked about like more and more Republicans support it because right. it's just like that, that issue will just weather and, and go away uh, there was one issue I think they really nailed actually and it was the healthcare one and they really nailed their more Positions on it. Because at the beginning of the show, Dan and Roseanne complain that they can't afford their medicine, right? Right. And then you logically think, oh, well, then they should be in favor of universal health care because then the government will just pay for it. Right. Right. Then Roseanne complains about the idea of universal health care. She goes, oh, you're one of those people that wants to give health care to everyone. I get it. You're just a, a bleeding heart and you care about people. You just can't do math. Right. And making fun of it. And I'm like, it was so clear. That point of view was clear. Like it um, the strict father wants to be able to buy all the health care they need. Right. at reasonable prices that they got with money from a job that they earned the money at. Yeah. You know, it's just a, the vagaries of how healthcare economics works that nobody can actually f- afford their own medicine. Not even rich doctors. If rich doctors got cancer, they can't afford it themselves. Right. Good thing they have insurance. You know, like right. doctors themselves can't afford doctors, <laughs> right. you know, without <laughs> an intermediary. Um, and so that it was so clear, like, oh, you know, everyone keeps saying like, oh, why, you know, yeah, these Republicans complain about, like, these health care laws, and that's their moral position. They they complain about them because they're systems of which the government is just giving them things and not systems in which they are buying things that are... Right, but that's of, yeah, yeah. what
1: I thought was an interesting thing that Roseanne, when they talk about the healthcare care thing, yeah. what that immediately shows to me, yeah. if I'm, like, breaking it down with the strict father thing, is that as a strict father, they're saying... I should be able to, I should buy what I can afford. And if I can supply it for myself, I get to have it. Right. We make enough money to have clothes. We get to have it. We make enough money to have the food that we want. We get to have it. We don't make enough money to go out to dinner five nights a week. So we don't get to have that. Yeah. So we make enough money or we don't make enough money to pay for our medicine and our health care. Right. However, the Democrats are sitting here going on the clothes on the food, on going out to dinner, we completely agree with you. Yeah.
0: You're on your own. <laughs>
1: on healthcare, yeah. we think that's where that's that's where we go out the other is way. A right. yeah. Healthcare is a right versus something you can afford. Yeah. So like, no, you you want better healthcare, you gotta get a better job, you gotta be able to pay for it. And it's like, right. no, like everyone should be able to have good health care. Right. And everyone should be able to have a good education. Yeah. Should everyone be able to go out to dinner four nights a week? No. Should everyone right. be able to buy expensive clothing? No. Yeah. Like that's so. So that's where the people are butting heads, and I I think she made a really good point. That's the Republican point of view. Yeah. Is like you guys are all complaining about health care. We have terrible health care. We get it. That's what we can afford.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it, it 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 was really clear, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't think they're going to talk about healthcare more. Maybe they will in further episodes, but they they really hit something. They hit a nerve there, like a moral nerve. Yeah. And then they like danced over it with hot top button topics, right? Right. Then right. Like, oh, let's talk about like a uh, uh, gun in the refrigerator, or you know, bullying my kid, or you know. And right. Like, right. I'm like, but you actually had like there was there you was really came from there. a moral point of view there, and then you just like moved on for like the caricatures of other opinions. Right. I want to end on an irony, an irony about the show that really hit me very hard. Would you have wanted to be a Connor on the Roseanne show when you were watching it? Did you want to be one of them? No. No. Why?
1: Because I wanted a better life than that.
0: Yes. And so then Roseanne, 20 years later, she talks about make America great again, going back to 20 years ago. I'm like, what are you nostalgic for, Roseanne? What I, do you what, what do you think was better? What did you have 20 years
1: ago? <laughs> yeah, not a, not as Roseanne Barr in real life. She had a lot of money, but yeah. Roseanne Connor, the Roseanne
0: Connor. What, what did, did you have 20 you, years ago? What are you nostalgic ago? for?
1: That is a really good point. Like that's the part that is hard to see when people keep saying "Make America Great Again." And you're like, your family 20 years ago didn't have any more than you have now.
0: Yeah. What 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 was better back then? What was then? better
1: back then? Was it better? And and I actually think this is what this is what I actually one yeah. of the things that I think people are getting at with make right. America great again. Right. The world is just as screwed up as it was 20 years ago. Yes. The difference is we know how screwed up it is now. Yeah. And we didn't then.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: So people want to go back to a time where they can pretend or just not know and be ignorant of how screwed up the world was because the internet isn't there to tell you how screwed up the world was. Unfortunately, we can't go back
0: to that. (laughs) Right. You
1: can't. We're already here. We already ate the apple. It's over. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So this concept of going back to a time when it was better is unachievable. Yeah. And... That is the only silver lining about Trump's entire phrase is because soon or eventually people are going to see that they voted for him. America didn't get any greater.
0: <laughs> yeah, you made a mess of it.
1: And they're, they can't go back to what it is. And so it's a matter of f- forging through this new path to make a better life in the future.
0: Yeah, the irony of the Republican point of view is that you should grow up. And the entire point of Make America Great Again is that I didn't want to grow up. It's like this Peter Pan Yeah. Go back to some nostalgia. Well. On that note, I'm Michael Zanettis. And
1: I'm Chelsea O'Connor.
0: And that was We Can Talk About, a podcast about the moral values of politics and the language we use to transmit them. Uh, We had a lot of fun talking to Roseanne. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who knew? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's like um, instead of a movie at the end, it's a TV show throughout.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) We switched it up. See, uh, See you next time, guys.
1: Bye. Thanks for joining We Can Talk About, If you're a fan of the pod, please share your favorite episodes on your Facebook page or Twitter feed. We'd love to meet your friends.